Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. During this episode, we will talk with Stephen M.R. Covey. Our conversation with Stephen and this entire podcast series is made possible by the generosity of our partners, Entryless, Neat, and SmartBiz Loans. Entryless provides fully automated bill pay that is seamlessly integrated with numerous cloud solutions. Whether you use QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online, SageOne, Zero, and others, EntryList converts your suppliers' bills, your vendors' bills, into accounting data and lets you automate the payment. EntryList is providing a special offer of 2,000 automated bills for free to our podcast listeners. And you can learn more about it at woodard.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn about Stephen M.R. Covey. Stephen Covey's father, Stephen Covey, was the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But his son is following very powerfully in his father's footsteps with a brand new Wall Street Journal best-selling book, The Speed of Trust, the one thing that changes everything. That is also a New York Times best-selling book. It's been translated into over 20 languages worldwide. He's the co-author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Smart Trust, the defining skill that transforms managers into leaders. Stephen brings to his writings the perspective of a practitioner. He is the former CEO of the Covey Leadership Center, which under his direction became the largest leadership development company in the world. The company was valued at $2.4 million when Stephen was named CEO, and within three years, he grew shareholder value to $160 million in a merger he orchestrated with then Franklin Quest to form Franklin Covey, which today operates in over 150 countries worldwide. A Harvard MBA, Stephen co-founded Franklin Covey's Global Speed of Trust Practice and currently speaks to audiences around the world. He will be speaking at Scaling New Heights in Orlando, June 2017. Before we get started with our conversation with Stephen, let me tell you about Neat, another of our podcast partners. You may know Neat from the scanner commercials that you used to see on cable television at night, but Neat is much more than a scanner company. As a matter of fact, they are primarily a software automation company, and the same technology that would extract information off business cards for the consumer market has now been enhanced broadened and perfected for the small business world, allowing you to automate transactions from scanned documents regardless of the type of scanner you use. The data then becomes live. It's usable information that integrates with QuickBooks Online. Neat provides a smarter way to manage receipts, invoices, really anything that you can scan in and places those transactions right into QuickBooks so that you can streamline your bookkeeping process. Get started today with a two-month free trial of NEAT. It's a special offer for our podcast listeners that you can take advantage of at woodard.com slash podcast. Now, to the conversation with Stephen Covey. So, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Joe. Delighted to be with you. I tell you, we're very excited to have you on the podcast, and we're even more excited that you're coming in person to Orlando at Scaling New Heights 2017. 
and you plan to speak on the importance of trust in business relationships based on your book, you know, The Speed of Trust. And, you know, the very title of the book begs the question, what is the connection between speed, which I'm assuming you're saying sort of human pace, organizational pace, what's the relationship between speed and trust? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting title, isn't it? Because usually when people think about trust, they think, well, you know, trust is slow. It takes a long time to build trust. You can't just do it fast. And I acknowledge that building the trust in a relationship, on a team, in a culture with a client, that that sometimes can take time. But what I'm highlighting is this, is that once we have built the trust, once we establish the trust, then nothing is as fast as the speed of trust. We can move at an exceptional speed when we operate with trust, when we have trust, when we've built it. I also believe that once we understand kind of what trust is and the dimensions behind it, the components that make it up, that you can build it even faster than you might have thought was possible when you understand it, how it's built intentionally from the inside out, starting with ourselves. And so the idea of the speed of trust is to say, Speed is a huge dividend or outcome of high-trust relationships, high-trust teams, high-trust cultures. So just think of, to our listeners, when you have a client with whom you have a very high-trust relationship, where they really trust you and you've earned that trust, you've built that trust, and now there's a new opportunity, a new project, and you're already at a place of high-trust you can move at an exceptional speed in your interactions, in your dialogue, in everything that happens. You can move faster with less cost. When there's low trust, everything takes you longer, costs you more. You've got to check, verify, validate, double, you know, do background checks, all the different things when you don't quite trust someone. So I'm just pointing out that there's economics to trust. It's not just a soft social virtue. Trust is also an economic driver because it affects the speed at which we can move and the cost of everything. And I think our own experience kind of validates that when you think about high trust relationships contrasted to low trust relationships, and then look at that through the lens of speed and cost, and you'll find there's a really a profound difference. Well, and in the book, you make a point here, you draw an example, the ultimate outcomes of distrust that has really hit our audience as accounting professionals heart, that's Sarbanes-Oxley. I mean, so what's the relationship between Sarbanes-Oxley and everything you've been talking about with the economics of trust. Yeah. So I'll frame it this way, and then I'll use Sarbanes-Oxley as an example. Um, I make the point that when trust goes down in a relationship or on a team, in a company, in a culture, in a society, when trust goes down, that speed goes down with it. Everything will take you longer to do, and cost goes up. Everything costs you more to do, much, much more. Why? Because of all those steps you've got to take to compensate for that lack of trust. So that's what happened with, uh, you know, we had the big, you know, the big scandals, Enron, WorldCom, and the like, and we lose trust in public companies, lose trust in the public markets. We can't have that to survive as a society. So we had to take steps now to compensate for that lack of trust, and they were needed. They were necessary, and we, and we put in place Sarbanes-Oxley. It's helped. And it helped uh, regain, restore some of the lost trust that had been there. But it takes a whole lot longer to navigate through all those rules and complexities of it, and it costs a whole lot more. And that's my point, is speed goes down, cost goes up. That's always the consequence of restoring lost trust. Same thing happened with the, in the airline industry after 
you know, after 9-11, our trust or confidence in airplane travel goes way down. Can't have that. So we take steps to increase security, you know, to beef up them so we have more trust and more confidence. It helps, and I'm grateful for it. But it takes a whole lot longer <laughs> to navigate airport lines today. Costs more. Speed and cost are impacted by lost trust. We have to take steps to compensate for it. It take you longer, cost you more. That's the tax, the low trust tax. But I make the point also that the dividend is equally real and that when trust goes up in relationships and on teams and cultures with clients in societies, when trust goes up, the speed goes up with it. We can do everything faster, much, much faster, and the cost comes down. It costs us a whole lot less. That is a dividend, a high-trust dividend. And really, Joe, it's that simple, that, that straightforward, that powerful, and yet that predictable. It plays out everywhere. And so speed and cost are always affected by trust, and we see it right in the accounting profession. And that, you know, when we lose trust, we've got to take a lot of steps to compensate that lost trust that take you longer, cost you more. And that is a tax. It's very real. Yeah, and I really like how you describe it as a tax and you know, almost like a tollway tax is kind of the image mm-hmm. that came to my mind as I'm trying to, to drive the roads of life. It's like, you know, paying for every mile, paying for every mile. And in your book, in which I encourage everybody to read, Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, in the book you break it down as as sort of percentages. You know, when trust is a you have this idea we can't get into every concept. Just go read the book, folks, of trust being a visible asset, a world, you have world-class trust, you have trust issues where trust isn't an issue, and all the different sort of tax rates you, know, you put on that, and you categorize the characteristics. How can you determine what your tax bracket is in human relationships? So, folks, get that, read that, and, and maybe, Stephen, you'll have a little bit of time while you're scaling new heights in either your keynote or your breakout to really drill down on those Everything we've been talking about up to this point has felt like it's within the category of maybe a little bit brand trust and a little bit relational trust. But I want to go back a step. Could you say, you know, in your book and as you're progressing through the different types of trust, you start with a concept of self-trust? Yeah, absolutely. The basic premise is this, that trust, building trust, sustaining trust, growing trust is an inside-out process. Inside out, meaning that it starts with each of us. It starts with ourselves. Outside in is where we say it starts with everyone else. It starts with the economy. It starts with the market, with the company, with the, you know, the client. And and you know, and we look outside of ourselves. Inside out is we look in the mirror. We start with ourselves. And so I use a, a ripple effect metaphor. The drop of water comes down. You know, the ripples, the waves go out. I talk about five waves of trust, and the very first wave where trust always begins is with ourselves, self-trust. And self-trust precedes the next wave, which is relationship trust. Now I'm rippling out from myself to my relationship and then to my team group or what I might call my organization, then into the market, then into society. So there's five waves of trust from self to relationship to organizational to market to societal inside out but the key thing is joe we've got to start with ourselves to really build grow sustain the trust and 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 so self-trust is so vital and 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 here's kind of a way of thinking about self-trust maybe there's two halves to it the first half and in some ways maybe the most important half because of how it affects the other half is this do i trust myself do i trust myself I'll tell you why that's so important. Because at the end of the day, if we don't trust ourselves, 
we have a hard time sustaining trust with others in relationships because at some point that distrust of self bleeds out, leaks out into those relationships. Whereas when we do have a sense of self-trust and the self-confidence that flows from that, it becomes more natural, more easy, more abundant to build, sustain, grow trust with other people in relationships. And so it ripples out naturally when we start with ourselves. So the first half of self-trust is, do I trust myself? The second half of self-trust is this. Do I give to my team? Do I give to my clients, my partners, a person that they can trust? In other words, is, is it smart to trust me? Am I trustworthy to them? So it's not only trusting myself, which is important, but also being a kind of person that can be trusted. And and the makeup of this self-trust, of both halves of those questions, trusting yourself and giving to others a person, a leader, you know, a, a, a partner, an accountant that they can trust, um, the makeup of that is really the same thing. It's the key principle of credibility. Am I credible? Which comes from the Latin term credere, which means to believe. Am I believable? Am I credible? If you are, you'll tend to be trusted and to trust yourself. If you're not, you'll have a hard time building that trust. And so I start with self-trust and saying, how credible am I? How credible are we? How could we increase our credibility as a person, as, a, as an accountant, as a leader? How can I become more credible where I trust myself more and where I give to my, my clients you know, a leader, a partner that they can trust? And I focus on the dimensions of credibility that I break down into um, uh, both the character side of it and the competence side of it. And I even go one level deeper than character and competence. I go into four cores of credibility, two coming from our character, two coming from our competence. And here I use the metaphor of a tree. And so envision a tree, if you would, where you've got the roots of the, of the tree and then the trunk and then the branches and then the fruits. The roots and the trunk is on the character side. The roots being integrity, the trunk being intent, you know, my motive, my agenda. That flows from my character, integrity and intent. That's vital, but by itself is insufficient. The upper half of the tree, the branches and the fruits, is the competence half. And that's the branches is my capabilities. You know, am I current? Am I relevant? And then the fruits is the results. My results, my performance, my current performance, my past performance. That gives people confidence. And that combination of integrity and intent flowing from my character, capabilities and results flowing from my competence, that kind of comprises credibility for me as a person. And the more I increase my personal credibility, the more I trust myself. And the more I increase my professional credibility, the more others trust me. And that self-trust is the foundation on which we build all other kinds of trust, including the relationships, the team, the organizational. So it's got to start with ourselves. And, 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 and so often when people talk about trust, they look outside of themselves to everybody else, but it's got to be inside out. And that's what I mean by that. Self-trust is where we begin. And I really love what you're saying there, Stephen, because I don't, I'm not going to ask you to agree or disagree with me because my position on this is pretty radical, but I am very, very bold in saying that self-confidence is a myth because we can't look within the realm of ourselves, our fears, our failures, our guilt, our worries, 
I mean, we see the worst of ourselves and we're going to somehow go to that well and manufacture confidence. But what I've said is that confidence comes from competence, a consistent pattern, behavior and results. So what I'm kind of gleaning here that self-trust is the actual source of confidence and it also is fed by competence. So basically what you're saying is if I say what I say with integrity, if I do what I do with capability and consistency and effectiveness, and I have a nice solid pattern of that, then I'm going to get confidence, right? Yep. And when I'm confident, I will then, I guess the idea is I will inspire confidence in me on the part of others. They'll trust me to do what I say I'm going to do. You captured it beautifully, Joe. Um, That's really exactly it, is that self-trust becomes Mm self-confidence. And it's something that we've, We've earned and demonstrated through our our pattern, our track record, and it's that combination of the character side, which is their integrity. And I like how you said it. You know, you you uh, you say what you're going to do, you, and then you do what you say you're going to do. Right. And so it's got to have the competence side. We we consistently come through, deliver. We are always working on our capabilities to stay relevant, current. But then we consistently kind of deliver and, and come through. That. Those are the fruits. So that's the results. And that type of pattern, that track record, really gives ourselves, you know, we, we can say, you know what, I do what I say I'm going to do, and I, I can trust myself, and, and from that emerges a natural self-confidence. It's not artificial. It's not a psych-up thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you're saying, where you just kind of try to come from the recesses of your mind and psych yourself up. No, this is real. It's authentic. It's, it's, it's real authenticity of who you really are. And, and so it's, you know, it's, it's who you are and what you can do. And, and um, you know, that you're a person of integrity and then you're current and you're capable of delivering in the area of your expertise. In this case, accounting and, and, um, and bookkeeping and advising clients. And, and then when you start with that self, the sense of self-trust, that becomes and evolves into a true self-confidence. In fact, it's interesting in, you know, trust and confidence in many languages are the exact same word. Like really? in Spanish and French. Yeah, same word. In English, we have two words, trust, confidence. And there's slight distinctions, perhaps. But so when someone asks me, what's my definition of trust? I say, I'll give it simple. simple you know, simply, it's confidence. It's a confidence that comes from having both character and competence. Character and competence create a confidence which is a trust. And so self-trust is and becomes self-confidence. But it's not artificial. It's natural and authentic. And it evolves from who we are and what we can do, our character, our competence. And it flows naturally. And then you hit the second half so beautifully as well, which is when we have that, when we start with that, that character, that competence, then that inspires confidence from others towards us that they say, oh, look, you know, look at Joe, look at, look at uh, David, look at Susan, whatever, wh- whoever, that, that they, they, this is who they are, this is what they can do, that character, that competence, that inspires confidence from me, you know, and, and I have confidence in them. And so it ripples out from there. And, and, um, and that's really pretty exciting because it's not psychological, it's not artificial, it's who we are and what we can do, 
character and competence. And we can get good at this. And I, I kind of break it down one level further into those four cores so that I make it very practical and tangible and actionable for for uh, leaders and for uh, uh, accountants and, and uh, people um, to, to, to build their teams and their organizations and build the relationships with their clients that are based upon trust. And, and you know, I want to just kind of drill down on something you're saying with character here because you make it very clear in the book that character needs some kind of a compass. You quote everybody from Mahatma Gandhi to Roy Disney to the chairman and CEO of Xerox about this importance of a higher source of value from which we derive our character and that serves as a principle higher than ourselves. So when we're down in the weeds and all the grayness and all the subjectivity of life, we can pull the compass out, point it, and walk in the right direction. And so higher principle, a higher value, I think is what you describe in the book. Character emits from that. Combine that character with confidence, and you're a person of self-trust. And I very much appreciate you you saying that, too. Absolutely. absolutely. So now we've talked a little bit about relational trust. I wish we had time to really drill down on that one, but we talked about how if we don't have it in human relationships, it puts a sort of tax on life. And I think that tax could be domestic. It could be personal. It could be professional. You you talk about all that in the book. I want to get to organizational trust, which is the next ripple. We deal with this as both business owners, many of the folks listening to this podcast own their own firm and employ people. Others sit as members of teams and accounting firms. And we all have a mandate, whether we've taken up the mandate or not, to lead our clients and our clients' organizations. So how does all this self-trust and relationship trust factor into organizational trust? Well, again, to use that metaphor of the ripple effect, it's kind of the next wave as you ripple out. And my point is your ability to lead the organization and lead your team, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're the owner of your, your firm, to lead your firm and your team, and then also to lead in the client engagement and, and the client relationship. When that comes from a base of inside out, meaning that I start with my own credibility, my own self-trust, which turns into self-confidence, then I build relationships of trust. It becomes then, again, natural and abundant to build a team, a group, an organizational trust and it's inside out if i if i've neglected the first two levels of self-trust which is about the credibility and the relationship trust which is about the behavior then the organizational if i just go skip and go straight to that i might not have paid the price to have earned that kind of uh, um, uh, trust position and i might not be ready to lead out in those ways but this flows naturally at the organizational level. And the nice thing is for an entrepreneur and, a, and an owner of a business, it, it again, it's, it's building that trust right within your group, your team, your organization, but also now your ability to go out as you work with the clients and, and, uh, and to really lead the client and, and to help them because you will really, or you're now in a position to be a true trusted advisor where, where uh, you, know, you have an expertise. They need that expertise. They trust you. You're trustworthy, and your organization, your team is trustworthy because you're building this. You're rippling inside out as you're moving out. Now, as you move out, you're now in a position to really have an impact 
on the client. You can really lead your client. This is where you can bring your expertise to bear. And I love, you know, I love the whole uh, um, metaphor of scaling new heights for the conference. The idea that we're saying, look, we're already doing a lot of quality work for our clients and, and um, important work in the bookkeeping and the accounting. And there's even new heights that we can achieve with them. There's new places we can go with them. There's new ways we can lead them and add value to them and become a trusted advisor, a trusted partner that's able to um, deal not just with some of the current things we're dealing with, but even go beyond that in, in adding value in new and different ways because we're seen as uh, as a trusted person. And our our team, our group is seen as a trusted organization that has character and competence. And the competence includes where the industry is going and where society is going and the implications of that and how we can add value to them in these different ways. So, again, it ripples out, but it goes to the organization. And then once you build that trust in the organization, it ripples out to that next level, which is now the clients that we're serving and addressing. And and, and I think the opportunity there is to truly become a trusted advisor, a trusted partner and that will enable us to scale new heights and to um, add even greater value than we're already adding. And that value is so vital in a changing world. And it's, a, it's also a differentiator from, from others that might only add uh, some value, but not the level of value that could be possible if we were in a position of being a true trusted advisor or partner. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, we, we tend to spend all our time documenting what did happen with no analysis and no interpretation of that information, with no implication or projective analysis on what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is the most important information for the business owner and therefore for our clients who are business owners. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast and our conversation with Stephen M. R. Covey. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about a special offer for our podcast listeners from Smart Biz Loans. Smart Business Loans is a lending facilitation company that takes the headaches out of securing SBA loans. Now, these are traditional SBA low-interest bank loans with an easy online application process. Your clients can receive funds as quickly as seven days after their application is complete and approved. Then you can learn more about Smart Biz Loans and how to save $500 on loan closing costs by going to water.com slash podcast. That is a special offer for our podcast audience. Now, for more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series, or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights. <laughs>